You're listening to the Million Dollar Sellers Podcast with your host, Nick Shuquette. Today's show features another amazing entrepreneur who has found success online. Now, let's learn what it takes to be a million dollar seller. All right. Welcome to the Million Dollar Sellers Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Shuquette. Today, we have Mindy on the show. Uh, Really happy to have you on, man. Excited to chat with you a little bit. Uh, Why don't you just start off letting us know where you're calling in from? Hey, good good morning. Good to be on the show. I'm calling in from uh, North Miami Beach, Florida. Nice. How long have you been down there? Uh, We've been living down here seven years now. Okay. Where were you uh, before that? So we, I grew up in a family where we <laughs> moving around has been a way of life for me. So even after I got married, I ended up moving a couple of times, but uh, most recently was uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay. Nice. I spent uh, some early, early years outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So not too far from, from Cincinnati. We would venture into Ohio occasionally. Uh, and weather places. Yeah, I'm happy. I moved to uh, Virginia when I was like 12 years old. Uh, definitely happy my father, you know, got that job and made that move. <laughs> I get it. What ended up bringing you guys uh, farther south down to Florida? So, you know, obviously with an Amazon business, there was flexibility to live where you want. Um, and as an Orthodox Jew, we were looking for better schooling options for our children. Okay. And when you look at the uh, religious Jewish uh, areas where there's good religious schools, it was New York, it was Florida, and there's no way I was moving back to New York. Chasing that warmer weather, some more sunshine. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you there, man. I definitely, definitely just makes you feel different. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cool, man. So I'm assuming you guys are, are liking it down there. Is it, it's kind of working out the way that you want it to? Absolutely. We absolutely love it. Awesome, man. So what's the what's the family life like? Got a, some kids, it sounds like. Yeah, I'm married uh, happily with uh, three kids. My uh, oldest is off to high school next year. He's 14. Wow. I've got, yeah, I've got a daughter who's um, 13, and then I've got another daughter who's 11. All right. I'll have to hit you up for some uh, father advice later on. <laughs> I've, got, <laughs> I've got a nine-year-old. I've got a nine-year-old, uh, a daughter that'll be three and a son that's one. But, you know, my nine-year-old, man, he just is so big now and just changing so much. And, like, I know I'm losing that time where he's, like, my little man, you know, and he's going to grow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say, and I'm, I feel that this myself, but spend as much time as you can while they want to spend time with you. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm definitely working on making that happen. Definitely on the top of my mind. Sometimes I fall short, man. It's so easy to get wrapped up in work and life and trying to take care of yourself a little bit that, uh, you know, sometimes I can let those things slip through the crack, man. But, you know, that's the great thing about being an entrepreneur is at least we're a little more in control of that stuff. Um, You know, it's, it's not our boss's fault if we have to call you know, we can't make the holiday or can't make the birthday or whatever. Like we're in control of that stuff. So that's nice. So that's the one thing I would say. I mean, I tend to travel a lot for business, but the one thing as business owners is, you know, 
I always say, you know, the perfect weekend actually to be discussed being Memorial Day weekend. Um, I personally, I love legal holidays. It's the day I get the most work done. Um, but I always say, as business owners, if we want a day off, we can take a random Wednesday off. We can go travel internationally for a week in the middle of a just random week without planning. The flip side is we work hard to be able to get that. But so while I work hard and business takes me away from home, I also do make sure, you know, we have good family vacations together um, where we travel or just spend time together as a family. Awesome, man. That's great. Hopefully we'll have a little bit of time to, to talk how you manage that stuff. Um, you know, I think that's such an important topic these days and something that a lot of people are concerned about, but don't necessarily know the best way to go about setting it up. Um, but that kind of just reminds me, uh, Mindy, like how did you get how did you get into Amazon? Was there an entrepreneurial journey before Amazon? So I've, I've always had that aspect of looking for way to make money, um, et cetera. Um, my earliest, my earliest uh, journey, you could say, is when I was, I want to say around 11, my mom owned the bakery. And uh-huh. one, of the, one of the teachers in school said to me, uh, one of my teachers said, he said, hey, how about you bring me a corn muffin to school every day and I'll, I'll pay you for it. And so I said that to my mom. And she said, well, why don't I just bring you the uh, every day at the end of the day, I'll bring you all the leftovers that you can sell all the day old stuff in school. And that was my first uh, business. Nice. Okay. I, I would say it was zero cost of goods. But uh, the deal with my mom was that we split whatever came in. Nice. You got some a lesson in partnership at an early age as well, huh? <laughs> right. So nice, man. So how how did it how did it go from there? Like, did you um, did you kind of always reject the idea of like school, job, retire, and that's about it, uh, or did you go down that path a little bit and experience some conflict there? And so I did go down that path. Um, you know, I think everyone has that fear of going out on your own. Um, I started off. You know, there were different businesses I was involved in, but once I was an adult, you know, I knew I'd bring in a steady income and I worked a multiple of different jobs, mostly in the food service industry. Okay. Um, and then it wasn't until I was back in 2013. So uh, what are we about eight years ago that I finally, you know, was able to set out in business on my own as a full-time thing. Um, at that point I was working for a large uh, supermarket chain, Kroger managing their kosher offerings in Cincinnati. And you got kids in private school, you're always looking for how to make some more money. Yeah. So it's actually interesting how we got into Amazon. Um, my first thought was, I'm like, okay, I hear this thing Amazon where you can sell stuff and make money. I know my brother was working for a online seller. So I called my brother up and I asked him, um, you know, what their you know, how to get into it. And he was telling me, hey, you know, we sell cell phones. Everybody, every Amazon seller pretty much out there gets their cell phones from the same company that refurbishes them, even though they're sold as new on Amazon back then they were. Um, and he's like, here, I'll give you the contact. You can call them and try getting in on it. So I called them and they were willing to give me an account, except I'm looking at this. Essentially, you're making 
eight cents for every dollar you invest. The margins were the greatest and it just didn't sound very appealing. Um, however, my light bulb moment came when I was by a Target. I was browsing through a Target and I overheard two associates talking about how Target had a buy, buy two, get one free on the video games that it was that it worked on the clearance video games as well. So that was my light bulb moment. I, they had about 20 um, discontinued games on the clearance shelf. I said, you know what? I'm going to buy all 20 games. I'll try listing them. What's the worst that can happen? There's a 30-day return policy. And I listed them on Amazon as Georgia fulfilled. And they pretty much all sold within two days. So that started my journey. Nice. A lot of people get started through, uh, through arbitrage, man. I mean, I, that's how I got started. Uh, definitely no stranger to the video game hustle. Um, gotten burned a couple times on video games, man. It's like, it seems like the guys that get the best prices in video games, it's like what you just described where you find these like really good coupons or these really good temporary deals. And they seem to be able to beat even like getting them at a wholesale price or something like that. It's one of those niches where I was kind of surprised where like the arbitrage people just, they, they can kind of beat you, man. <laughs> well, man, it was a common thing. You know, I, I remember, and I'm sure it still goes on where people are always commenting and, you know, some of the newer groups, I don't understand why the guy's selling it for so cheap. How can he make money? You know, he can raise the price and we can all make more money. And it's like, you don't know what that guy got. Him. Right. He had bought it. That thing you're trying to sell for $100 because you paid $70 for or $60, he may have gotten it for 20 And he may have 100 of them that he just wants to sell them in three days instead of sitting on it for six months. Yeah. And selling that $60. And I had that happen where I once bought out uh, by several hundred vacuums from uh, from a retailer at clearance cost for like $40 where before they were selling for about 200 and selling two, three a week. I dropped the price to about a hundred and sold out within a month and a half, two months, all my supply. That great profits. Yeah, cash flow is king on Amazon, man. It took me a while to learn that. I was a little little star. I was a, you know, it, it was like one of my first businesses, kind of, that had I had a couple businesses before that, but the one that I actually saw going somewhere and I got a little greedy at first. I was like, man, I want to hold on to every penny and every dollar I can hold on to. But man, when I when I realized like the beauty of Amazon is the volume, how many people you can reach if you drop the price a little bit uh and increase sales, like you end up making more money and then where the benefit really comes in is when you start to think about cash flow in your business, getting, getting, putting that money out there, getting it back as quickly as possible, reinvesting it again. Um, I just, early on, I just didn't see that, you know, I hadn't had that light bulb moment yet. Um, but it was a game changer once I did. Um, so are you, are you an arbitrage guy? Is that like all, all you were, all you did for Amazon? So our Amazon journey took us in many different directions. Uh, we pivoted at times where we felt it was the right time to pivot. We started with arbitrage. Um, we quickly added to that, uh, you know, stores going out of business. 
Uh, we used to work with a lot of uh, liquidators, be the ones where, you know, essentially a day, two, three days before the store shut down, we were get, we came in and took everything we wanted at a huge discount. Um, we, we did the same thing when uh, was it Sports Authority went out of business. We literally bought every baseball bat in the state of Florida. Wow. <laughs> and, and, you know, that came down to networking because I knew a buddy from, a, from an Amazon conference who worked for a um, company that all they did was baseball bat. And so when this opportunity came up, when Sports Authority was going out of business and everybody was looking at shoes and different stuff, I realized that that seemed to be the area where there was really money. And I picked his brains and got the information I needed. And uh, at 20 cents on the dollar, it was a great deal. And we bought every single bat. We literally, <laughs> it, it was fun times. Um, yeah, that's exciting, man. And, and it's still a business that so many people, like they don't even know it really exists, honestly. Um, but in the, in the Amazon world, we get exposed to stuff like that. And I think it'll never, it'll never go away. I mean, you know, Amazon can get tighter. These brands can get tighter on, on who they let sell their products and stuff. But, you know, there's always like Facebook marketplace or, you know, there's always these different ways you can sell products. Um, I don't think arbitrage will ever go away. It's such a good entry point, uh, for so many people. Uh, you know, who don't have a lot of cash or are new to business. Um, I'm really grateful for it. You know, that it, it really got my foot into the the Amazon world. Um, I, I wait for people to learn that there's uh, ways to start your own business and uh, you don't need to be dependent on a paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. You know what else it really taught me, Mindy, was like the operational s- stuff that goes along with a business, right? Like, you know, in Amazon, a lot of people think about sourcing product. I got to find more product. I got to find more product. But once you start selling and, and, and you've gotten, you've mastered finding product, now you got to look at all this other stuff like accounting and bookkeeping and, you know, management and, and all this other stuff. And that's, that's where I was really grateful for Amazon too. It was like a, it was like my crash course in business, you know, like I got to figure all that stuff out the hard way, of course, by making just so many mistakes <laughs> and, and trying to figure it all out. What was that like for you? Like all those other aspects of running the business? So it's, it's funny you say that because I mean, I did have management experience going into it, but Amazon is probably one of the most difficult, Amazon businesses is one of the most difficult when it comes to bookkeeping. Okay. You know, it's not like you're a restaurant that has a hundred items on the menu, or you're a, uh, uh, you know, you're a accountant who pretty much has a couple of different billing items that he has books. It is very complex, and try figuring out, you know, comparing the inventory when you close your book to what's in Amazon fulfillment centers, what's in, you know, pre-orders that haven't been built yet. What's it? It is a complex business to manage, and I will say anybody that who Runs a Amazon business that will set you up to run any kind of business. My bookkeeping is a breeze. Yeah, <laughs> with Amazon. Oh, that's good, man. That's good that you had that management experience, and um, you know, you took the time to really f- figure out the bookkeeping. Um, it that that was the hardest one for me. I've always kind of 
shied away from numbers. Um, but you know, Amazon forced me to learn that stuff. And it's just, it's such a good feeling when you've struggled with something for so long and you finally overcome it and you feel like, you know what you're doing. Uh, that was definitely my journey with numbers. I mean, I suffered through school, you know, with math class and geometry and algebra. Like I just, I was slow in, in that side of things. And, and Amazon really forced me to stop making that excuse, right? Like in the, the honest thing is I just never took the time to really learn it. Um, once I said, Hey, I got to figure this out. I took the time. Now I've got it dialed in and it's just such a good feeling. And that is one of the most important things in any business, knowing the numbers. Are you really profitable? Are you doing, are you doing a million dollars in sales, but only walking a home with, you know, with $10,000. Okay. Or are you losing money? Or are you making a nice margin? Yeah. Okay, but it's so important to understand where you're making money, where you're losing money. Um, just very important. So, yeah, I love, um, I love talking like reselling with guys. Cause I just, I love the hustle. Like, I, you know, I, I remember like renting U-Hauls and like traveling up and down the, the, like the city, like up and down the coast, like hitting different stores, just like, you know, walking into a retail store and just being like, Hey, how many, how many of those do you guys have back there? Oh, 150. Okay. I'll buy all of them. <laughs> yeah. And just like their face, like they just light up like, what, who is this guy? This guy's crazy, man. And you know, you're walking out on like with dollies and, you know, just pallets of inventory. Was, was that what it was like for you guys? So somebody asked me this, literally this weekend, somebody asked me if I missed the Amazon business. And my wife is my partner in the business. And we said what we missed was the front of the find. Okay. I mean, we built relationships, you know, when Black Friday came around, we literally two weeks before I would provide every store employee, the rest store manager in my area with my list of what I wanted, and they would hold it back for me. Nice. So fighting lines on Black Friday, it was I would pull up to the back loading dock we would, with my truck. We would walk to the front, swipe my credit card, and uh, load the truck. Uh, my wife would do Walmart, was her thing, uh, one of her stores, and the store manager literally closed down a lane so she could put all her carts there at the store until she was ready to check out while she pulled more inventory. Um, we would go to Marshall's and I would go into the stock room and I would go through the deliveries before they were put out. You know, it was building those relationships and the hustle and, the, you know, finding those deals. So it, just, it was a treasure hunt. Yeah. You never were going to find. Um, in fact, I had a great road trip one time. Uh, my wife and kids, we drove to New York and then we were going to we were gonna drive back, but it was like a $10 ticket back. So my wife and kids flew home and I spent a week driving home, just stopping on stores on the way home and just loading up on Spada. So it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was, it was, we're going to discover. Yeah. It's exciting, man. And like when you're in, when you get into the building relationship relationships part, which really takes that business to the next level. Like if you're kind of a social person, it is, it's fun, man. Like you're, you're driving up and down the coast, you're talking to these people, you're building these relationships, you're, you're spending that money, knowing you're going to make it like, 
uh, it is an exciting journey and like being able to throw travel in the mix with that. Um, you know, when you're that type of person, like it just fits, man, it's, it's a really good time. Um, did you guys go ahead? I was just gonna say we did. That's that's definitely how we got our game going on. We did move on from there, you know, where we moved to a ball sale, which was okay. a whole different ball game. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like man. Wholesale is uh, it's tough, man. It's tough to get your foot in the door. Margins can be slim. Negotiation is mandatory. Um, it, it's it's a tough business. How how did that turn out for you guys? So it was a very valuable in the beginning. Um, you know, sometimes it, it, you know, some things were just luck on the floor. So we started off with shoes. Um, I went to a shoe conference, uh, shoe uh, convention in uh, New York City. And the funny thing was, I landed an account with what I didn't know was one of the largest shoe companies out there a company called Bionic. I had never heard of them, but they had these flip flops that were selling for, you know, 65 to 120 bucks on Amazon. And they agreed to give me an account at the time. And it ended up being that after I started selling them, I realized who they were and researched for. When I would go try and get on the shoe vendors, the first question anybody asked you is, well, who are you doing business with? And I've casually mentioned, oh, yeah, this company, Bionic, this company. <laughs> oh, Bionic selling to you? We'll sell to you, you know? <laughs> and we actually moved from there. We added lingerie because my wife would shop for lingerie um, for herself and buy higher-end brands from Europe that provided proper fitting. And she realized that, you know, she had to drive two hours each way to the closest store that sold the product. Okay. People realize that if they're selling this bra for $150 and you're paying, you know, based on the way wholesale works in the clothing industry, you're making up a 50, you're making a 55% margin. There's money to be made. And same thing, we ended up landing, not realizing that this is one of the top brands out there. That's the first brand we approached. My wife was buying that stuff. We got an account, and then from there it was the same thing. You know, you just mentioned that company name. And you were golden with everybody else. Nice. Yeah, that's exciting, man. Uh, did you guys keep the re the arbitrage stuff going, or did you focus more on the wholesale, or did you keep doing both? So initially, we were doing both. Um, at a certain point, there was a lot of talk going on about arbitrage being dangerous for risking your account, and there were people losing their accounts, and what we were hearing from contacts inside Amazon was that Amazon was pulling, planning on pulling the plug completely on it, which didn't end up being true, at least not at that time. I think it's still a viable thing. But uh, at a certain point, we just said, you know, we have to focus on the ball seal and yeah. let the arbitrage go. Yeah, that makes sense, man. I remember it seems like those uh, that messaging kind of always comes and goes these days with with arbitrage. Um, and it does kind of seem scary because, you know, inside, at least how I felt like I always kind of felt like it wasn't my business, like the small piece of me, you know what I mean? Like, 
like, like I'm, you're just depending so much on these other stores and these other brands and these promotions and coupons. And like, they could just be taken away like that. And there was really nothing I could do about it. Um, which kind of always made that news even scarier. Cause I was already kind of felt like I was on thin ice anyways. Uh, and I hate to be the naysayer right here, but I think every Amazon seller lives with that fear that <laughs> just put you out of business overnight, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is tough, man. I know. Did you guys end up selling your business or did you guys just get out of the business? We had to get out of the business. Okay. So we, we built up a nice size business. Um, our focus, like I said, was shoes and lingerie. Um, and... Overnight, Amazon made some changes where we went from doing a, their algorithm and how they awarded the buy box. And literally overnight, we went from doing $150,000 a month in sales to doing $50,000 a month in sales. And that can be when you're carrying the type of inventory you needed in our few heavy industry, um, that can be a little bit of a death blow. Yeah. So, I mean, look, and of course, you know, there's always that. So it's interesting because the lessons I learned, learned with an Amazon business is lessons that you just take into any business you're with. But you always have a certain sense of, well, tomorrow it'll go back, right? And, you know, that was probably part of our issues to get a pivot quickly enough, et cetera, recognize that it wasn't coming back and we need to make changes quicker than we did but at a certain point it was just like okay well here we are with all this inventory that's really not moving fast and the amazon loan and you know the credit cards and uh at a certain point it was time to say goodbye to amazon yeah then how long ago was that so about three years ago okay so how come, like, did you guys ever consider private label having your own brand? So in hindsight, we should have done private label. Um, there was a bit of a fear of the unknown over there in that as much as we kept digging, it's like, well, we have over here a known thing that's making us money. Like, why are we going into something else? Um, that being said, you know, it seems to me, from what I see out there, that private label is probably the only way to really be doing it long term. Yeah. Yeah, that is what it seems like. So, um, you know, what, what did you guys end up pivoting towards? Like, what are you doing now? So, I don't know if you're familiar with what a public adjuster is, also known as a public insurance adjuster. Okay, I am not. Okay, so essentially what I do is I... Uh, help property owners and homeowners when they have any kind of damage. I help them uh, get paid properly by their insurance company, which can be a significant difference. You know, just to give you a quick idea, you know, we helped the customer who was paid $518 after a hurricane hit her home by our insurance company. Once we got involved, we got her $175,000. Wow. Um, what was the first number? Can you say that again? I didn't hear the first <laughs> number. That sounded like a big difference. 518. Okay. To 175,000. Yeah. So that is a big difference. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's, 
We come out and we handle the entire client from A to Z, documenting it, writing up proper estimates. And, you know, a part of that reason for that big gap is, well, first of all, the insurance company simply, you know, their adjusters missed a lot. But the bigger thing is, you know, there's a difference between repair and replacement. Okay. So let's say you have a brick house and a tree falls and breaks two bricks on the house. To put your house back together, realistically, you can go to Home Depot, buy two bricks, some mortar, under 100 bucks, you fix your house, right? But those bricks, if they were not fired in the same batch, they will always look different. A hundred years later, somebody can drive by and say, those two bricks over there are the ones that were replaced. Okay. Therefore, what insurance really owes is to replace every brick on the house, as crazy as that sounds. Okay. So instead of $100 of damage, it's $40,000 of damage. Gotcha. So, and that goes throughout, throughout the house, whatever there is. You know, you can have one piece of damaged flooring. Now it's flooring throughout the house. Nice. So do you find yourself working with like um, businesses often in, in that, like B2B, or is it mostly like directly with homeowners? So it, most of my clients are homeowners. We do do a little bit of commercial. Um, definitely something I hope to grow the commercial side of things, but uh, it's really anybody who owns any kind of property and we can help. Okay. Nice. And so has that been, you've been doing that for like for three years now, two years or? Yeah, almost three years. Almost wow. three years. You know, I started off working for another company, learned the business. And at the point that I felt I can do better jobs for my clients doing, using my own strategies rather than the way that company was doing it, I went out with my own company um, two months, uh, two years ago, exactly. Nice. That's exciting, man. Well, congrats on that. It's always nice to uh, start something new and and see it work out like that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely, you know, the way to do it is by having your own business where you can do things the way you feel it's going to be best. Um, and you know, there's nothing greater than helping people. So something yeah. about my business is it's really, it's life changing for people. So I get to call these people who literally, um, I had a homeowner a couple of years ago, he was literally living in a house full of mold a year after the hurricane. Carpets pulled out, drywall full of mold because her insurance company, again, paid her under $1,000. And there was no better feeling than calling her up and saying, hey, we got you $68,000 to rebuild the nightmare sober. Okay. Um, I, I founded my company with the uh, mission statement. Don't worry about making money. Worry about taking care of the customers and the money will come. Nice. I like it. It does work out that way when you focus on just helping and providing value. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, so you haven't been on Amazon for a couple years. Um, and I, I know what it's like to like, you know, arbitrage is no small business, man. I mean, I've done seven figures with just arbitrage. I know you've done over seven figures with just arbitrage. So many people in reselling, so many people think of it as just like a side hustle. Uh, but you can really turn it into another business, uh, into a full, full fledged business. And, you know, now you're a part of the MDS community. Um, can you talk a little bit about like how you feel about the community? Like, why did you decide to keep being a member, um, after letting go of Amazon? So I have to say it's still my favorite group on Facebook. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, end of day, I've been with MDS almost since the beginning. Um, I remember having to show the screenshots next to, I don't remember, like maybe my my hand or my face. Yeah, or, the peace sign, right? Peace <laughs> and you had to show that you were doing your billion dollars in sales so that you could get in. Yeah. But, you know, and it's funny, I will say, you know, obviously I can't say too much about it, but one of the best um, things I remember doing in MDS was rebate key. Okay. And, were you in on rebaking next? I was not. I missed the boat on that one, man. Now, when they posted it, I think that it sold out within hours. And it was funny because being, being that I was not a private label guy, I said to myself, I don't understand this whole rebate thing. I don't, I don't really create as much listings. I was more selling big brand products at your listings, et cetera. But I said, very simple. MDS is a group of some of the smartest guys I know. So if they're doing something for two thousand dollars, I'll throw in my money just to be a part of it because yeah. these are guys I can learn from. And it, it turned out being a great investment. But more importantly, it's MDS is a group of business owners, very smart people. Okay, um, by being in there, even though I'm in a different business now, we're all business people, and so a lot of strategies are going to affect everyone. I mean, there's a conversation I believe going on right now about um, health insurance for your business, whether you give your employees health insurance. You don't need to be an Amazon seller for that right. to, um, for that to be an important thing for you. Um, it's just, it boils down to something I remember hearing years ago. Um, you're the net worth of the people you surround yourself. So you want to surround yourself with smart people, successful people, people who are doing well, then you're going to learn from them. And, you know, it was amazing to see actually, this was it last week or this week where somebody had posted where he was leaving MDS because his business was down and the entire community came together and said to him, Hey, hey we're here to help you work for you. Yeah. You know, it's okay. You know, everyone has their ups and downs and that's really MDS is more than just a Facebook group. It's a community. Yep. Yeah, absolutely, man. We love to hear you say that. Uh, we just had a quarterly uh, EOS meeting and like so many like really drilling down like the value and the mission and the focus. And it's just so focused on community, man, and, and having this place where people can share their wins, but also be vulnerable and share their losses and know that they have people there that aren't going to judge them they're going to help them. And the community is so amazing because everyone's natural reaction seems to be, Hey, I want to help you, you know? And, and it's those, those are the type of people uh, you're surrounded by when you're in the MDS community, their, their natural reaction is to help not judge. They want to be supportive, uh, but they also want to be there to share the wins and celebrate with you at the same time. Uh, and there's not a lot of places out there like that, man. No, there's really not. Um, well, we're stoked that you decided, you know, to, to remain part of the group and it's great to have you in there. Um, if anybody listening, like maybe they're interested in your new business venture, like where can they contact you if they're looking for a service like that? So I actually have a very easy phone number, 833-PANTHER, P-A-N-T-H-E-R. You can. Nice. Yeah. Three, three Panther. That is nice and easy. I like it. So 
I'm always available on Facebook. I'm in the group. I'm always happy. You know, I'm a big believer. And this is also what MDS represents. You know, in every industry, you have a lot of people who feel like they have some uh, secret sauce that makes them different than everybody else. And they won't share it with anybody else. And they don't even want to talk to anybody else who's in the same line of work. And, you know, my belief has always been that by networking with people who are in the same industry, yeah, we're competitors, but we can still help each other out. Because if I teach you something um, and you teach me something in return, we're both doing better off. Absolutely. Um, You know, and I will say I've always enjoyed helping other people without there being something in it for me. But end of the day, I used to have a, I actually put on the first virtual uh, conference for Amazon sellers uh, years ago. Um, it was called MDI Conference. I also used to do a uh, weekly uh, coaching hour. And end of the day, while I was doing that to help people, I can't tell you how much money I made from people who I had helped who came back to me and said, hey, I just wanted to let you know, go out and buy this thing over here. Or, hey, do you want to partner up with me on this, et cetera. Yes. But anyway, you know, whether it's Amazon selling, whether it's being a public adjuster, I've always believed in sharing my knowledge with other people to help other people. Man, yeah, that's great. And I just got like kind of goosebumps because I remember that feeling of like me finding a good deal and being like, oh my God, I got to share this with so-and-so. Like, I got to tell them, you got to get in on this because like, you know, it's such a good deal. and. Who like who knows? I don't know. I probably didn't have enough money to like buy everything, right? That's available. Like, there's just so much opportunity out there uh, when you come in with that mindset, and you know you're in this business. There's just there's enough to go around, man, and and then it comes back to you just like you said. You know, you get a random Facebook message or a text with like an ASIN, and you already know the deal. You're like, oh yeah, I just need to go find <laughs> this. Yeah. Is what's up, man? Uh, were you doing arbitrage back in the days of PyFace? Yes, I was. Yes, PyFace was huge, man. That <laughs> one was crazy, man. Those board games and like that seasonal stuff can get crazy. Um, okay. It still blows my mind. It's still mind blowing that it's still growing uh, and getting even bigger on Amazon. <laughs> it's insane. Well, Mindy, it's been great chatting with you, man. Thank you for coming on. I'm glad we finally got some time uh, to talk. Uh, Do you have any advice you can give, like any entrepreneurial, any entrepreneurial advice that you can give uh, someone that's on the top of your mind right now? So, I was like, there you go, asking me questions. I didn't need to prepare for anything. And now, yes. I mean, there's a lot of great advice. Here's, here's actually, I just had to look up and that's all I needed. Um, I'm going to share my two favorite expressions. Okay. The first one is, um, I'm a big believer in luck. I find the harder I work, the luckier I get. Let's face it. You get lucky once in a blue moon, but you can be consistently lucky if you put in that work. Absolutely. Uh, My other favorite expression is don't ever let somebody tell you no, who does not have the power to say yes. Okay. Um, and that's wow. I like that one. That's a good one, man. I I will tell you, I had a win two weeks ago where I increased the amount we got the insurance company to to pay. They were on the table offering another $20,000 and I was looking to get another $30,000 to settle the claim. And I realized one simple thing that this 
person I was dealing with wasn't the one who could make the decision or not. I wrote back a simple one-word email, a one-line one line email. I said, did you ask your, did you present my offer to your manager? I got an email back 10 minutes later, we accept. <laughs> nice. So, that is such a great, I've never heard that one. And like, that's kind of blowing my mind because that kind of changes the game when you're negotiating. Like if you're not talking to someone who can give you the answer you want to hear anyways, like move on, like let, give me the next person. <laughs> yeah. And when I used to go to trade shows looking for new companies to buy their product, that was one of the first things in my mind when I came to a booth, I would immediately gauge the person. Is this person really a decision maker? This company may have a policy they don't sell to Amazon sellers, but is this person a decision maker? If they're not a decision maker, I'm wasting my time talking to them. But if they're the decision maker, I can tell them why I'm different than every other Amazon seller out there. In fact, there was a uh, company that uh, I went by the first time I went by their booth. I right away gave the person that's not being a decision maker. Um, by the next trade show, when I walked by, the person I gauged him as being a decision maker. Um, started talking with the guy. We ended up, he, ended, he was the owner of the company and we ended up doing a tremendous amount of business. Awesome, so. man. That's great advice. Yeah, I, I like it, man. Thank you so much for sharing that. Absolutely. Was a pleasure being on here today. Yeah, man. Thanks for making time for us. I really appreciate it. And I uh, look forward to chatting more with you in the group. Absolutely. Have a great day. All right, Mindy. Bye. Bye. Are you a million dollar seller looking to network with like-minded entrepreneurs? Apply for membership now at milliondollarsellers.com. Leave us a review and subscribe now so you don't miss out on next week's episode.